This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever. So you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. You're listening to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast of myself, Dave Walker, and XWH employee. West Ham continue to put a smile on our face after a fantastic win at Ellen Road on Saturday. We'll be talking about that game, whether Antonio is world class, if Moyes could be the best manager since Johnny Lyle, and Pi Capital pulling out of buying the club. All that before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. That's all coming up on tonight's show. Okay, that is the end of the show. As always, <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> X, I saw someone tweet this to Gary Lineker after the game. His name's Billy Crover, I think. And he said this. He said, Mikel Antonio has 33 goal contributions 
in his last 35 games. The 33 consists of 25 goals and eight assists. And he said, would you agree if this was a striker from a top six club, everyone would be calling him world-class? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I didn't realise he'd contributed that much, to be fair. I mean, I'm um, assuming that's right. It could be wrong. But if you are assuming it's right, that is incredible, by the way, if it is. Sounds right, doesn't he? Because he's been on mm. doesn't it? Because he's been on fire for so long now. I mean, yeah, I think so. Do you know what? I honestly believe the only thing at the moment that really sort of counts against him as such is his age. You know, if he was if he was like 22, 23 now, people would be like, My word, who is this player? And they would be talking about him, as you say, in the same league as other great strikers in the Premier League. But because he's 30, 31, you know, and he's been around for as long as he has and almost because of the fact that he's played right back right wing and and so on that he's never been a striker from the from the start I think people almost uh, underestimate how good how good he is um and that's that's I guess a good thing for West Ham in some ways because it means that firstly we're we're more likely to hold on to him second of all uh, the opposition might underestimate him and third of all like you know you don't want your striker to be on the radar of everyone so it is a surprise because he is doing so well. I mean, that that goal was just was just brilliant. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, he always looks like he could um, cause some trouble, albeit, whether it be a goal or, or an assist. But, yeah, I mean, amazing. Mate, another another three points um, largely gained due to, due to his, um, his threat. Yeah. What did you think of the game? Um, game of two halves, so to speak, to coin mm. an old cliche. But we were we were much better in the second half. I mean, the first half I didn't think we were as bad as the West Ham Twitter meltdown suggested. Um, <laughs> I think we I think we were a little bit off the pace as such, um, and we didn't start as well as I'd like to us to have. But when it went in at half time, I felt like we were well well in it still. Like you know, I, I genuinely felt that we weren't going to lose that game, even though perhaps we hadn't been at our best. And then when we came out second half, we were just a, a different class and I just think again we should have probably wrapped it up earlier than we did but you know in terms of drama and excitement it's no better way to to do it in the last minute like that but I felt we were really comfortable second half and yeah a really really strong performance second half and I think individually some players played brilliantly yeah I think you're spot on mate first half wasn't great it took some time to get into the game but second half was a different story brilliant game to watch by the way like for the neutral or even as a West Ham fan, the second half was so entertaining. Mm. But I, I thought we were really good in tight spaces as well. I thought we coped really well under pressure. Our second goal was a testament to that. Mm. And what a goal it was. I mean, firstly, Antonio wins a header on the edge of his own box, which tells you about his work rate. Then I think it was Vlasic then did really well to hold up play under pressure. A lovely ball from Vlad to Declan. Declan's pass to Antonio was quality and Mickey did the rest. I mean, absolutely mm. outstanding. I think Melier, the Leeds keeper, had a great game, by the way. I think we could have scored more goals if it wasn't for him. Um, but my man of the match X was Ben Rama. I thought he was different class. And we're used to seeing his quality on the ball. But yesterday, his work rate off the ball was absolutely superb. And on the ball, fucking hell. I mean, he could find space in a single bed with Gemma Collins, Benny, couldn't he? <laughs> I love watching him play. I love watching him play. Was he your man of the match? Uh, a very, very close between him and Bowen, I would say, because I think um, mm. I think Bowen did really, really well as well. And his work rate is phenomenal. And obviously he basically created the first goal. Um, so, yeah, I would have said those two. And I think the patrons reflected that, actually, that Ben Rama and Bowen are the two that are in the lead. But the, you again with Ben Rama... 
Now, at the end of last year, sort of certain periods of last season, Moyes was getting so much stick for not playing him and not using him. And everyone was saying, you know, he's he's got this, he's this good, you should be playing him. But you could argue now with the benefit of hindsight, Moyes did the right thing. Again, you know, got him sort of to familiarise himself with the Premier League, with West Ham and so on in preparation for this season. And that was always kind of his philosophy. Like Ben Rama was always a sort of second season was going to be the impact season hopefully he did a kind of similar thing with Bowen a little bit as well when he first came and and now he's looking like a quality player I mean we think we paid you know what is it I can't remember now off the top of my head let's go 20 million he's looking worth a lot more than that now and he's looking a very very classy player um and I think he yeah I think I agree with you the one thing that he's really added this year is work rate particularly when he's not in possession of the ball so I think that's a massive thing and Bowen as well, just is constantly buzzing mm-hmm. around, like you know, works his ass off. He's getting up and down the wing, you know, really, you know, he's done a good job up front in the in the week, and then managed to continue that on at the at the weekend against Leeds. And I just think every single player at the moment, bar a couple, are just on on absolute peak of their games, and I, I just hope we can maintain it going forward. God, yeah. Well, like you say, the patrons had their vote. And in third place was Jared Bowen with 22%. Second was Antonio with 23%. So very close. But the comfortable winner in the patrons' eyes was Ben Rama with 40%. But do you know what, X? It was a display of resilience, proper togetherness, and at times proper quality. I mean, what a result, especially on the back of the cup win at Old Trafford. Mm, it's been a great week. I mean, particularly mm. given the circumstances of last weekend and the you know the last minute penalty miss against Man United to come back and then knock them out the cup and then and then obviously beat Leeds in the last minute as well is massive. Um, and I think this is a is another thing that cannot be underestimated from the the team is the is the mentality of the players. You know the the mental strength, the togetherness, the teamwork, the camaraderie. It seems to be so right at the moment. And you look at someone like Zuma for example you know he's came in he's got straight he's got into the team I think he's a brilliant player by the way I've been yeah. so so impressed with him since mm. he's been with us um and he just seems to have fitted in perfectly with the whole kind of mentality and and um you know personality of the place and it just it just feels really 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 good at the moment and you know the Man United game in the week was brilliant the fact that all these players came in that hadn't played much you know I know we haven't done a podcast since then but so it might be worth talking about but I think obviously Fredericks went off early but he created the goal brilliantly I thought Alex Crow looked um looked decent um I thought uh, numerous players played really well. Noble had a good game. You know, I think the centre backs, Diop and Dawson, had good games. Johnson had a good game. So, what is so good at the moment as well is that we've got these players that are on the fringes that can then come in and play um, on a par with the players that they've replaced in the first team. So, effectively, it's almost like we've got two first 11s now, yeah. which is something that. West Ham have never had before. Now, we talked about our squad needing strengthening this year. And when you look at it, if they can all stay fit, which is obviously the massive thing as a West Ham fan, that it's a very good backup to have. You've got you've got backup in almost every position apart from forward, but then you played Bowen up there against Man United. I thought he had a good game um, in the cup. So maybe maybe Bowen is the answer. For, I don't know. But it just there's something that just feels really, really good at the moment. And we go into every game 
that I think that we play and I think we can get a win from it. Of course we won't. And I'm not saying we will, but it, there's no game. I think, oh gosh, I don't know. We're going to get battered here. You know, I actually fancy our chances in every game. And if we lose, then I feel like we're going to lose marginally, not get battered. And yeah. it, it, it's just a good, good time. Yeah, it is. It is. Going back to what you were saying about the squad there, and I totally agree, by the way, and, and the way you could look at it really is that potentially a, a, a sort of um, substitute striker is the only thing we're missing from the squad now. Mm. I, I don't know if you agree with that, but if you're David Moyes, who are you looking at in January? I mean, you don't have to be specific in terms of who and and what you know what type of player, but in terms of what sort of position, the where only, are you focusing on that? The only two I think I that could do with a bit more strength is, like you said, forward. Yes, Bowen can play there. Yes, um, Yarmolenko can probably play there. Flasic as well. I wouldn't even be surprised if Ben Rama can play there. So you do have options. But I do think it would be good to have a natural finisher or even even like a target man because none of them are target men. You know, no, you, Antonio, even Antonio to an extent. But Bowen, you know, Flasic, Ben Rama, whoever you play up there is not going to be able to hold the ball up up front. I think... You, you, you're looking at a target man maybe to come on if you're losing or um, if you're trying to hold on to a 1-0 win. You just want to just hoof the ball and then want someone to hold it up there. I think we're probably missing that. And I also think possibly a left back, but that's not desperate because obviously you've got Cresswell who should be the first choice. Then you've got Mazuaku who can also play there and you've got Ben Johnson. So when you think of it like that, maybe not. But there's question marks over Mazuaku's defensive ability. Um, obviously, Creswell's not getting any younger um, and Ben Johnson you know I think it's a decent decent cover there but like you say it's not desperate it's not desperate for, for that position um, so probably not I mean you not much needed elsewhere I mean you look through it you know you've got two good right backs in Chappelle and Fre- uh, Fredericks and Johnson can play there if need be. You've also got Ashby in the in the academy, who I think is decent. Um, then you've got your centre backs. You've also got four there with Ogbonna, Zuma, Dawson, and um, Diop. And then you've got Baptiste or someone, or even Rice if you needed to, if you're desperate. They could go there or Cresswell in about three. Then the left back, you've got the ones I mentioned. Defensive midfield, you've got four. You know, Suchet, Noble, Rice, Crow, and then you got all the attacking midfielders as well. It is literally just the forward there where you haven't got that much depth. So, mm-hmm. and I think Moyes has taken the approach and, it, and it's worked where if you have too many players, you end up with players that are unhappy and uh, players that then don't maybe contribute to the spirit and are looking for moves and perhaps don't help the harmony, whereas he's got players there that seem happy with what they've got and happy to play when they've called upon and happy to fight for their place, but they're not going to kick up a fuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've got to give so much credit to David Moyes, haven't we? I mean, he really has worked a miracle at West Ham. And depending on how we do this season... He could potentially be the best manager we've had since Johnny Lyle. I mean, would you agree mm. with that? Oh yeah, definitely. One of my um, close mates texted me. We were drunk watching the um, AJ fight. We were just having a bit of banter back and forth, and he said to me, "You know, where does Moyes rate in in managers? Um, in your, do you think in West Ham's history?" And I actually said to him, in terms of me going, because I just missed out on John Lyle. My first season was Bobby Moore, uh, Bobby Moore, Billy Bonds as manager. Um, so I just missed out on 
on Sir John Lau as such. So I was ranking them. And I think I've got to put Moyes first. And the reason I've got to do that is because he, like, obviously I'm not saying he's necessarily better than Lau or Greenwood, but in terms of what I, I have seen as a fan, I think because he saved us from relegation once, yeah. then he's left us, then he's come back and he's got us, um, you know, kind of saved us from relegation again. Then he's got us a European spot and it looks like we're going to, be there or thereabouts this season. So what more do you want? The only other contenders, I guess, are Redknapp, but then Redknapp was fifth one season and the other seasons were kind of like sort of mid-table-ish, weren't they? Mm. Comfortable, but nothing more than that. Um, you know, then you can argue... Pardew. Yeah, Pardew got us promoted and then got us to an FA Cup final, but was sat quite quickly after that mm. and started to lose lose it a little bit. With, I think he got a bit too carried away in his own belief and kind of lost it. And then who else is there? I mean, you could argue Brooking, but he was never permanent. Allardyce, well, the football wasn't good enough when Allardyce was manager. Um and he never took it to the next level as such. Um, so I, I don't think I don't think there's been a better manager in my time now. And I don't feel like I'm getting carried away. And I wouldn't be surprised if you look at the statistics. He's got to be up there anyway. Um, and, you know, we, we have the best squad, I think, we've ever had since I've been going. And he has assembled many of them. Yeah. You, know, you think the players that he's brought in, you know, Ariola, Azuma, um, Shafal, Suchak, Bowen, um, Ben Rama, Flasic, you know, converted Antonio from a, a decent winger to but to a forward that's looking borderline world class at the moment yeah. so you know it's it's all got to be down to him he did the same to Anatovic as well you know another player that was kind of hit and miss for us made him a, a quality player so I think I think it's, he's so, so right up there. And also, I think another key thing that he's done is that he's assembled a backroom staff that are really, really strong. I love the fact we've got Kevin Nolan, Stuart Pearce, you know, Nevin, who's in the England setup, and McKinley. Like, it's a really quality coaching staff there. And a final thing that he's done is that he stands up to the chairman. You know, Zuma was the one he wanted. Zuma was the sentiment he wanted all summer. And they tried to throw Milenkovic and various other players at him, but he stood strong and he, and, and he got Zuma, you know. And, and I think that that is something that is worth noting. Crowell's another one. He's identified him at the start of the window and said that he was a great player. They had a bit of a wobble during the Euros and wasn't as strong, so they sort of managed to sort of put the doubts in his mind. But then he went back and said, if I can get a loan for him, let's take him. Took him. And I wouldn't have said it was an exceptional performance, but I thought he was strong in his debut. Um so, yeah, it's, it's just good times, mate. Good times. Yeah, it really is. Here's an uncomfortable question. Where does the bold rank in terms of best ever owners at West Ham? It's very hard, that one, because, you know, I don't think we've ever really had great owners. No, have we? So, no. I mean, that's so... what makes it an interesting question, because we, we you're right. I don't think we've ever had a bold that has taken West Ham to the next level or even been liked. So in that case, by default, are these owners that everyone hates the best this club has ever had? <laughs> Jeez, whatever we say right now is going to get absolutely like uh, torn apart. But I mean, 
you have to look at it like this. I guess in terms of investment and what they were going to do, wanted to do, I guess the Icelandics were the best in some ways, but then they completely fell apart when the when the Icelandic banks went bankrupt and spent money ridiculously. Um, so whilst it was fun while it lasted for like a year or whatever it was, it was never a sustainable business model. Um, Terry Brown, you know... <laughs> You know, we sold Rio Ferdinand and ended up buying a load of rubbish, which was kind of Redknapp's choice. But, you know, we often sold players and didn't really invest heavily. You know, he had all the the bond problems before that. I don't know, mate. It's a really tough question. I mean, the thing is, that you, in terms of what's going on in the pitch, then this is what we were promised if we moved to the new stadium. And we were promised a stadium that felt good to be in which it has this season but as we've always said that's a results-based business there's been a lot of things in the past that have not been good for the board you know 10 years worth of not goodness really for want of a better phrase um so can you forgive that in a season and a half I don't know, but if we could qualify for Europe again this year and have a successful cup run and do it again next year as well, then I think possibly they might be able to shift some, some, and I'm not going to say everyone, but some of their haters to being, what's the word, neutral, perhaps. Mm, mm, to be tolerated, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is the thing, like, there must be other clubs, and yeah, other clubs don't understand don't understand what it is that West Ham fans are unhappy with. You know, they wouldn't understand the sort of the loss of identity, the lies, the PR disasters, the kind of lack of investment most years apart from a couple. They wouldn't understand that because they'd look at it and they think West Ham just qualified for Europe. They're just beating Man United and Leeds. They're, you know, what I think two points off the top of the league, are we? Something ridiculous like that. Um, so, you know, they, they'll look at it and they'll think, what are West Ham fans? complaining about but then they wouldn't know so three points on the top of the league they wouldn't know what um the bigger context but then but then you know you're looking at it we're sitting seventh in the league right and we're in the europe we're in the europe and we're going to probably get through to the next stage of the next stage of the league cup you know it's hard it's hard to to criticize right now but how much of that is down to David Moyes and how much is that mm. down to the board? Did they get lucky, inverted commas, and in getting him? And did they, has David Moyes just done an exceptional job, which has saved them? I don't know. It's, it's, all, it's all, you know, open to question. And I think most people that hate the board, we wouldn't, this is not good enough still. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, in terms of how positive things are now, and Mad Dog said it on a previous show, you know, we've come so far as a football yeah. club, so far. And when you look at some of the dark times we've had since leaving Upton Park, and they seem darker now than they did at the time, because I think you look back at how bad things were compared to how they are now. And fucking hell, we, we have hit some serious bumps in the road. And to look at us now and how entertaining we are and how happy the players are and what a fantastic gaffer we've got and the backroom staff and how you just go out every week feeling like you can beat anyone. Uh, honestly, X, I, I can't remember watching a West Ham team this fit, this committed, this passionate and this emotionally involved. Can you? 
No, I would say, you know, they always ask, you know, like we always ask the 1980 and 1986 team, who was the better side? I think the only team really that would go slightly close, there's two since I've been a fan. So it was the season we finished fifth um, under Red Nap, you know, in De Canio and Canute and so on. And then the season where we got to the cup final with Pardew. I mean, they're probably the three best teams I've watched as a West Ham fan, this, and obviously including this one. And I think probably when it comes down to it, if you think about it, I would say now is the better team. Because if you go through the players position for position, you know, I think you're going to be close with the one under Red Nap to who was the better team. But I think in turn, when you include spirit and you include team ethic and you include motivation, I think this team probably edges it. Yeah. That'd be a good one to put to the patrons, actually, see what they think. Mm, yeah. Well, this week in the Premier League predictions competition, I gained 30 points on you, mate, after scoring 99 compared to your 69, which has reduced the gap. And there is still a gap, to be fair to you, of 115 points in total. But we do have a new leader in Mark Radford, who went from fifth to first, replacing Terry Lee, 11, who goes to second. Dave Bushell is third. Dan Lomas, 89, goes from eighth to fourth. And Gary Prince makes up the top five. X, over the past week, Pi Capital have announced that they're withdrawing from any potential takeover bids for the club. What did you make of that? Uh, the whole thing is just another part <laughs> of our circus history, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's just... It's, I mean, I don't even know where to start, really, mate, to be fair. It's just the whole thing. It was just a bit of a joke, really, wasn't it? From the very, very start, like, they came in, their PR strategies were bizarre to say the least they got players involved that clearly didn't even care or even seem to even know that they were involved with it if you're talking about Rio Ferdinand um and it was just very very bizarre very bizarre and the fact they just gone away so quickly shows that they can't have had that serious an attention of trying to buy the club the fact that they've made two offers and they've just gone all right fair enough that we agree with David Sullivan now's not a good time to buy the club well then firstly why did you not go earlier when it was a good time to buy the club second of all you know if you're that keen if you're that good buying the club you're going to improve the club anyway from now so it is a good time to buy the club because you're going to build on the success that we've already got the platform that we already have mm -hmm. um their strategies were very odd you know for, they officially announced a 400 million pound offer and then tom skinner no bless him no disrespect to him top man comes out and says the next day actually it was 100 million more they got it wrong and then, and then they, and then they have their own interview with themselves, where where they <laughs> and they where, fucked that up and all exactly they? where they started saying that West Ham never sold out at Upton Park, yet they couldn't get tickets when they wanted to go. The whole the whole thing was just so bizarre, so bizarre. It's fucking shambles, um, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, I think the most, <laughs> I think the most defining moment in how shambolic their takeover bid was is the moment all West Ham fans said, we'd actually rather stick with fucking GSB. Like, we've been campaigning to get them out for so long, but I'd rather fucking stick with this lot than have Pi Capital involved. I feel a little bit sorry for Tony, if I'm honest, Tony Cotty, because mm -hmm. since he's come on board, he seems to be the, the front man for them. And I think he got a bit of stick when that statement came out. 
um, which is a shame because he is West Ham and he was obviously um, part of a lot of the behind the scenes discussions that could well be exciting and we'll never know what they are. Um, but I, I just, I, yeah, I think it's, it's a th- joke. I don't understand personally. And, you know, we get on very, very well with TC and you know, I don't mean this disrespectfully to him at all, but I don't understand personally why he positioned himself so, so aligned with this company when they were clearly nowhere near buying the club. Even mm. though he managed to sort of spin him a load of yarns and, you know, tell him a load of rubbish that was seemed believable or they just... I don't know. I don't know. I don't like if it was me and I was a West Ham legend, like he is, or certainly if you don't classify him a legend, he's definitely a you know a top former player. I don't see why you would go against the current board, align yourself with someone that's basically trying to get them out when there was no no sort of real closeness to them actually buying the club. You just said even... something about the Ferdinand brothers, though. I mean, how did they manage to get Rio and Anton on board? I mean. Rio, I don't think, gave two fucks anyway. But but Anton, I mean, he's very passionate with West Ham. He is a West Ham fan. And he's no mug, Anton. Mm. So to have convinced him, and unlike his brother, who didn't give two fucks, he was vocal at times. Not many times, but he at least publicly came out and said, look, I back these guys. To get him and Tony Cotty to genuinely, genuinely say that this is a proper firm, this... I I don't know. Part of me thinks, you know, was there a solid plan that the fans well, don't know about? The only thing that I can say, and again, I'm very conscious of saying this because I'm sure there'll be new, there'll be articles written on it. Um, so I'm going to go with the tagline that this is not definite. This is not a hundred percent. Please don't run an article on it. I don't want the club on my back about it. I'm just talking about rumors that I've heard and they are rumors, but the rumor that I have heard is that one of the person people, sorry, that was involved with Pi Capital is, um, he's nameless in the sense that he wasn't in the, in the media and stuff, but he is one of the bigger, bigger, investors i think potential investors apparently he already has spoken to sullivan a bit about trying to invest anyway but that he may he may be looking to form another consortium um with other people that will then launch another bid now as i say these are all rumors i I, i'm not saying i have concrete evidence on this i don't i just have it in a in a WhatsApp group that I'm in of knowledgeable people involved with the club. It's it's something that's been said in that, but it's not a factual thing, but that's, that's kind of that this was almost a sort of test the water type thing and see what happened. Whereas there might be a more solid, a campaign launched in, at another point, but how true that is, I don't know, but it, it kind of makes sense to be that, but as I say, it could be a load of rubbish. I don't know, but that's that's something to consider. Mm, I'm actually quite pleased it's been put to bed now, to be honest. I think that was not a black cloud, but it was, uh, I think, an unwanted distraction to the good stuff that we're doing at the moment. So I'm actually quite pleased that, that they can fuck off now with respect because they, they were, I think they were embarrassing us, really, weren't they? Um, do you know, yeah. it, it's almost looking at it, it's almost like, if Tottenham fans successfully managed to prank West Ham fans into thinking it was a genuine bid, I don't think they could have done a worse job of the PR than the actual genuine pie consortium did. 
you know no. that's how bad it was well there was there was talk and again rumors not this is not factual that it was almost david sullivan that set this up to almost make him look better you know get some fucking dodgy dodgy takeover story that makes and it did because people were saying that they'd rather them than than the new than pie so i don't think that's true but that was one of the rumors it was because it was that bad you wouldn't have got Tony and Anton involved, though, if that was the case, would you? Well, it depends how distance you were down the line. If you were, you know, if he said, sir, I know a millionaire or a billionaire friend, right, you know, mate, help me out here. There's a hundred thousand for you. Make this consortium. This is the plans. Get lights of those involved. Do it for a bit. Then make it look rubbish. Then I'm going to look better. I'm not saying that that's the case. There's yeah. loads of conspiracy theories oh, out there, but... Yeah, well, there you go. But it's something that a lot of people do believe. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's how ridiculous it is. Because, well, uh, you know, it's that ridiculous that it's brought this theory to some people. Um, fucking hell. It can only happen at West Ham. It's so mm. strange, isn't it? So strange. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's hear what X has to say about club affairs this week. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Want a great way to recognize your employees? Check out Custom Inc. Have you ever thought about doing something special for your customers? Custom Inc. can do that too. And wouldn't your team love some custom gear? Custom Inc. is ready. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Plus, everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at custominc.com. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frame. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hun, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.